What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Gaming and Chill, episode number 105. Today, we have a guest, 8-Bit Metal. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Just sitting here chilling. There you go. Today, we're going to discuss some icebreakers, as normal with guests. We're going to talk about Article 13 and some game hype backlash. But first, this episode is sponsored by Humble Bundle and... 8-Bit Metal himself. Thanks, guys. Our partner for this week's podcast is Humble Bundle. Humble Bundle is an online digital store that sells some of the most popular games from the most popular game developers. But that's not all. They also offer bundle deals that change weekly and monthly that allow you to pay a designated amount for a collection of games or ebooks that can often save you hundreds of dollars. Humble Bundle then donates portions of its proceeds to a featured charity. In addition to this awesome business model, they have also partnered with us so we get a small portion of any purchase or donation through their website. All you need to do is go to our website, scroll to the bottom of the page, and click the Humble Bundle Partner logo and shop for any games of your heart's desire. Thanks, Humble Bundle. Back to you guys. Okay, let's move into some icebreakers. How's that sound? Uh, That sounds good. Okay. So, what got you into gaming? What got me into gaming? That's a pretty good question. Not a lot of people seem to ask that a lot. They just assume streamers are just, you know, they just play games all the time. Well, a lot of times when I was growing up, I was going to arcades a lot of time and playing consoles at home. And I guess I went over to a friend's house once who had like a Nintendo and Super Nintendo stuff. And I thought, you know, this is actually kind of fun. And what did I know? I was going to get pretty much hooked on it. There you go. Do you remember what game? Um, Originally, I started playing uh, for home consoles. I actually started playing like the original Tetris okay, for like the Nintendo. And then, of course, somebody turned me on to uh, Final Fantasy. So that kind of started my role in RPGs. Wow. Final Fantasy is so good. Oh, I know. I'm a uh, I'm a big Final Fantasy fan. Like Final Fantasy 14 is currently where I'm like, that's my Final Fantasy jam. Oh yeah, the new revamp they did after the first version that didn't quite hold over. Hey now, hey now. I wish I could but, go back and play that. Well, I'm just saying there were some good things about it, but there was stuff that people didn't like. You know. I loved how they turned and pivoted from that and was like, okay, we failed here. Now let's turn it and let's move into a different direction. And they actually built it into the lore. And that's what I love about Final Fantasy is they go so deep into lore about stuff and they just know how to make it work. Yes, um, on occasion. Sometimes you're like, all right. All right. Now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would have I mean, to say 15 might be the weakest one, but that's kind of no surprise. Well, it did have quite a interesting cycle with its uh, development issues and stuff. Yeah, to say the least. Um, it's very different. Oh, yeah. And I love the mechanics in that game. It, it's just, it's one of those where. It started off as another working title with the verses, and then it moved into just becoming 15, which was, I think, was the greatest announcement when I saw that. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of disappointment happened, like you know, like after we got to play a little bit as a as a test form, you know, and 
as everything else kind of came, it was just like, okay, it's good, but it's not like the best the series had to offer. I think that with Final Fantasy games, the more they try to make it look beautiful, it sounds weird, but the worse it actually gets. Um, yeah. If you think back to some of the greatest Final Fantasies, uh, Final Fantasy VI, or three in America, with uh, Terra, Edgar, Locke, that sort of thing. That uh, is yeah. one of the best Final Fantasies ever. Oh, and the best thing I, I like about that in the lore, it it basically predates Final Fantasy X with the whole Machina system and the magic. Like it kind of it kind of set the stage for those later um, lower stuff to come in. Yeah, um, and that was actually where we get our modern incarnations of the espers of why Ifrit is a thing. Why they were they used to be summons, which is fine, but that was it. It was just like, oh, it's a summon that uh, Rydia has, I believe, in Final Fantasy Four. Right. In Final Fantasy Six, they became characters, and then you see Final Fantasy. Eight, I believe, use them. Yeah, and then coming on, where we've got actual espers, and then they were became summons in X. Yeah, and it's it's really cool. Yeah, and, and it's what I love about it is they got really deep into the lore with each and every one, whether it's an esper, a summon, or in Final Fantasy VIII's term, uh, a GF guardian force. You know? uh, I got to be honest, I didn't play it nearly as much. Um, it came in the time where I didn't have uh, access to the PlayStation as much. So it was like Final Fantasy Seven, Final Fantasy Eight, Seven. Um, I mean, I still have Final Fantasy Eight, and I can play it, but they didn't. I feel like they didn't explain some stuff very well. Uh, it is. Eight is, I mean, eight. I mean, I love eight, but I like seven more than eight because eight kind of had to be the burden of we did great with seven. What can we do to prove on eight? And it's like, how do you follow that? I think is what happened with the issue of it being in the shadows of seven. And then nine came back and it was pretty good. Oh, a lot of people love nine. And, you know, if you look at the new PlayStation Classic that came out, you have seven. Of course, you don't have eight on there. But why do you not put nine on there? Because that was actually pretty popular, too. Well, it's amazing that they actually made a PlayStation Classic because... Oh, yeah. That... Okay, let's... That would be like them making an N64 Classic. There's like three games that everyone liked on N64 and PlayStation. The rest of them people were like, oh, I mean, that was a game. I mean, I've been, I, I've, because, you know, uh, you can totally not emulate the N64 very well. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Oh, yeah. And I'm, I've looked at the catalog and I'm like, Pokemon Stadium, Pokemon Stadium 2, Pokemon Snap, Mario 64, and Zelda. That was yep. about it. Uh, I mean, yep. you have other, like, maybe smaller ones like Harvest Moon. But they actually can't put Harvest Moon out anymore because Natsume no longer owns it. So copyright issues and all yep. that stuff. So it's like, okay. Um, 
what else can you put on the N64? Oh, oh I was going to say... Um, I was going to say, uh, there's quite a few racing games you can throw on there. You can only throw on so many racing games before it just becomes only racing games. True, like but there's, 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 there's only... Wa- uh, you could probably put maybe Pilot Wings and Wave Rider. Wave Racer. That might be the ones you put on there. Those would be good. Um, F Zero would be. uh... That was that was SNES. That's true. That was originally SNES, and I think they actually have that on the SNES Classic. Yeah, but they have uh, F Zero X. Oh yeah, Uh, was it F Zero X or F Zero GX? I think GX is the one that is the GameCube. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yes. I tell you what. Those F Zero was extremely difficult. Um, it is a hard game to master. Like I'm bearable at Mario Kart, and I tried playing um, F Zero a long, long time ago. Man, because you got like you you have to drift. You have to drift. Um, oh yeah. But I'm trying to think of other... Or really, I'm trying to think of other games. So if you went to the PlayStation Classic, you have Castlevania Symphony of the Night. You have to put that on there. Oh, that's a guarantee. Um, Resident Evil. And the Final Fantasy series. That's really all I can think of as far... Oh, maybe Legacy the Dragoon. Legacy Dragoon is a really interesting time. I'm glad you brought that up. It is a sleeping masterpiece. It, it is. And you know what? I had a buddy that had the whole the whole set of that and then like one of his discs got messed up. So he had like actually asked me he's like, "Hey, I uh I need to get through the last disc. Can I borrow your last disc?" I'm like, "Sure, but just, you know, don't hurt it, you know." <laughs> That's that is a good game. Yeah. Um but you don't hear about it very often. I actually had a friend give it to me. I was like, hey, I don't oh, play nice. this anymore. And it's like, okay, thanks. It's, like I said, it's one of those sleeping masterpieces that you don't hear about very often. It's like, oh, yeah, that was a game, wasn't it? Yeah, and the mechanics in that game is really cool with everything. Like, how it presents itself with, like, um, well, each, you know, each RPG has its own version of a a limit brick or a final stand, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, there's one game I'm hoping you've heard of it or played it. It's for the SNES. Breath of Fire. I believe I have played it. I just haven't played it for like probably a long time. I love that game on so many re- for so many reasons. It is the first and really the only game that I can really think of that the boss battles had second wins. It was like, That's... you deplete their energy bar, and they're like, and they got angry! And then they changed up AI, and they had more health. But you didn't ever actually see it. No, it didn't quite present itself. It was like a hidden boss mechanic that, it was like one of those moments where it's like, surprise, I'm it... still here. I mean, can you imagine the the shock of, like, nine-year-old me going, oh, my God, I barely made it through, like, the gremlin fight. I think the gremlin was one of the first ones that actually had it. Uh, the, the captain. Yes. When he turns into the gremlin, it's like, 
oh my god, I finally beat him. And he got angry. What? I just barely made it. I have to... What? <laughs> Mind blown at that time. Mind blown and heartbroken. But then it was like, once you beat it again, you're like, you know, it felt good. Um, let's see, other Super NES games that, uh, Earthbound. Oh, Earthbound is it is one of those games that has to be on it. And, and the thing with Earth, oh yeah, not only that, but I mean, have you looked at what it costs to get a real copy of Earthbound Complete with the guidebook? If I could find the guidebook with the scratch and sniff stickers that still worked, I would pay money for it. Yeah. The problem is it's pretty expensive. If you could find the bundle together, and we're talking like literally not necessarily sealed, but at least coming in mint condition, it's pretty pricey out there. Like we're talking in the thousands. Um, that's actually why for the, I believe it's the Earthbound Speed Races on Speed Gaming. I think it's the yeah. Boogie Percent. That's actually one of the, that's actually the prize for first place is a Earthbound cart. Yep. And it's like, that's a worthy, for, worthy first prize. Uh, that is. Because a lot of game collectors out there either have it or it's on their list of, I want it, but I don't know if I want to show the money out to get it. Yeah. Um, same, I think the same goes with like Illusion of Gaia. Mm-hmm. Or uh, Secret of Mana. Yes. And I never had a chance to get it on Super Nintendo. Okay. Um, I'm still looking for one to get it, but I do have a version that later was released, like on the the PlayStation, mm -hmm. which you know is just like the Super Nintendo version. And at the time, it was it was a more affordable version to get than the Super Nintendo version. Oh yeah, but it's one of those like it's not the real thing; it's an imposter. True, which is why it's still on my you know I want to put it on into my collection for my Super Nintendo collection, but for the sake of getting to experience and play it more than more than once, I have at least a copy of it. Yeah. Um, I'm not so much into the collect, maybe more so for like Pokemon games I collect. Um, but like my parents have over like a hundred original NES carts, including the golden Zelda cart. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, which is like one of those moments where it's like, yeah, I'm going to need to see that for a minute. Oh, yeah, because there are issues where people have figured out with, you know, like the the uh, 3D printers, uh, you can manufacture ripoff um, of games and put them into an actual cart. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that. Um, and that's been a huge plague. A lot of times you see a lot of that stuff on eBay more um, just because people are trying to say, hey, we got a Super Nintendo cart of Earthbound, you know, and they claim it's original. And after a while, you start figuring out how to tell the difference between the original product and a reproduction. See, I would be totally OK with the reproduction. I, I really would. I got to be honest, like, I know that I owned it. It's like one of those cool, like. I owned it. I don't have it, but I still want to. I still want to be able to look at the art and look at it and go, that still looks good. I mean, there's no for me. There's no money tied up in having the biggest collection. It's more of oh. being able to show, you know, be able to look at it and go, that's the original artwork. That's the, that's how it originally came, 
And now I'm playing it on my computer with a not emulator. Right. And and the cool thing is I do like reproductions, but the problem is some of them don't label and say specifically this is a reproduction. Because the, the nice thing I like about reproduction is let's say I got a copy of that game and I decided to leave it boxed and sealed. I don't want to open it. I'd rather play my reproduction copy instead. Right. Um, I think there are carts. Um, I think they're like um, SD to any uh, to SNES or something like that, where yeah. you can put an SD card and actually play it on the original hardware. Yes. Um, for when I do live streams, that will that will always do like a like a class and game. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I will do one of two things. Either I will pull the original game off the shelf because a lot of my stuff is like not boxed like the older stuff, just because I decided I'm not going to go for a full box set. I'd rather go for a loose set instead. Right. Um, because it's a little cheaper, but a complete box set, it's so much harder. And it's one of those things where like you would have had to do it way back before collecting that stuff was more of a thing to do. Yeah. It's like, it's like the old um, Charizard Pokemon cards. You, as a kid, you're like, this car is awesome, but as an adult, you're like, that car is worth something now. Why did yeah. I treat it like that? Yeah, and you know, I still have my Pokemon cards in a binder. You know, yep. first like, first generation stuff. Uh, I started collecting right around Ruby and Sapphire. Oh, okay, so that's what third third. But I actually have a trading card set that's actually much rarer. It's not Magic the Gathering either. Oh, interesting. And I love Magic Gathering. I used to play a lot of that shit in college. I have a collection of Full Metal Alchemist trading cards. Oh. Yeah. It's um great. It's it's really cool because like they're like places and items in the game and the show, and you're like, <gasps> and it's not Brotherhood. It's the original. Oh, so that's that's even more interesting that's, that it's based off of that. And, of course, I take it it was made before Brotherhood was kind of like a, a thing. It was made before Brotherhood was even thought of. I don't think that the, um, I don't think the manga was even nearly done. Uh, it would have been right around 2008 or nine. No, okay, not, so it was... no, I'm sorry, not eight or nine. It would have been right around 2000, uh, might have been. 2006 or 2007. Um, Because it was shortly after I moved to Tennessee uh, and just got into Full Metal Alchemist. I was like, yes! I mean, the game was contrived and impossible to understand how to play. So it was a little complicated. It was a lot complicated because you had your main deck, your side deck, your locations deck, your actions deck, and it's like, I don't understand what's going on. So it sounds like it was like Yu-Gi-Oh! like on steroids. Yeah, something like that. I mean, it, it may be not as contrived as I remember it being, but, man, it was contrived. And I think also, I don't know if it was on during the same time frame, but I remember people talking about how there was a, a Dragon Ball uh, Z train card game going on at the same time. I think there might still be. Um, well, I mean, Aussie's probably had tons of updates to a few revisions. Of, a few yeah, of I power mean, levels and such. Yeah, I mean... Goku uh, 
with that new form he's got. You Super know? Saiyan God Super Saiyan 3? I don't know. Uh, I ult- uh, much, plus Ultra I, Instinct. Yeah. They call it Ultra Instinct, but I call it... I just call it just Instinct. God mode. Um, yes. The memes are always out there for that stuff. Exactly. So we talked about what got you into gaming, but what got you into streaming? Well, a few years ago, um, I started streaming with a buddy for a while, and it was okay, you know. But you know, we just weren't uh, the brand; just wasn't going anywhere. And at some point, I thought, eh, I guess I tried it; it was okay. And then later, when I switched jobs up, went to a different job, somebody said, "Hey, did you ever try streaming?" I said. Yeah, I I, I, tr- I dabbled in it for a while, learned a few things. And he said, you should give it another shot sometime. And then eventually I kind of dabbled back into it. Nice. Um, Do you remember the days before Twitch? There was just Livestream.tv? Yes, Justin TV, I believe is what it was. Yep. Um, so right around 2007, 2008... Uh, I, w- I I thought about it. I, we were actually one year. Um, might have been two thousand nine, the winter of two thousand nine. Uh, okay. Me and my brother were gonna have a New Year's celebration streaming on uh, Justin TV, and that would have been the first stream that we had done. Um, oh wow! Like, yeah, this was back when like. You know, 720 didn't exist. It was like 480 at best. Mm-hmm. And, but it just never, I mean, I ultimately wish I could go back and go, uh, yeah, no, you know how you're like not undersuring how it's going to work? Trust me, it's going to pan out for you. Like, trust me, if you start now, it will pan out. Basically, your future self saying, you know what? Just a little bit of, just a little bit of drop of that confidence, you know? It's going to happen. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you think about it, like, back then, there was not a huge, there wasn't a huge, there wasn't a huge market for it. So not everybody was doing it. Right. So at that time, it was anything was good. Like, when you're in a desert and there's no water, any water will do, whether it's dirty water or clean water. So it didn't matter if the streaming was good, it was still there. And I think that would have created a demand for it. Right, because there was a form of something. Right. It's like, you know, like you said, it's like, hey, I'm surfing channels on the TV. There's nothing good, but this show seems all right. It's not the best quality, but it's something. When you got two channels and it's C-SPAN or, you know, Miami Vice, you're going to go for Miami Vice, whether or not it's good. Right. Um... It's one of those, like, I wish I could go back and tell myself, hey, look, if you don't do this now, you'll eventually pick it back up, and you'll be waiting for viewers. If you do it now, maybe they'll eventually come to you. You know? It's it's one of those fascinating thoughts of... And I feel like that's a lot of streamer stories because I've actually had several streamers here on the podcast. Um, right. And a lot of them have kind of the same story of, well, I tried it, but then it just didn't really stick. Right. You know, it's like, you know, I tried it once doing it with an actual, like a co-host and 
that was interesting. But at the same time, you know, sometimes you run into issues with that person or, you know, channel stuff, you know, like real life stuff seems to happen when you have two co-hosts sometimes. Oh, yeah. It doesn't always work out. As uh, as the host of a podcast, I can a thousand percent tell you that happens. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, we're going to record. Oh, wait. No, we're not. Oh, wait. Maybe we can. Mm, no, wait. No, we're not can tell you that happens yeah. a lot oh it's kind of like oh it's kind of like my cat now i love my cat she's cute but there are times where she sits at the door and it's like i want to go out and you open the door and she's like nope never mind i don't want to go out just i just want to see you do it yeah, yes the I, cat knows how to troll me i totally get that um but yeah it's it's interesting hearing how people got into streaming or their content um because i've had some cosplayers on here here as well and like hearing them talk about, yeah, I kind of wish I'd started earlier. It's like, is if only we could. It's one of those moments where I think that maybe it was Kesha and Macklemore said, "I didn't know that those are the good old days." Like, yeah, when they're happening, we don't know how good of a time it is, but then suddenly it's like, oh, oh, that was a good time. Oh, oh yeah. And, and a lot of things you know, have you have to understand too is um, I forget which song it is, uh, but it's a song by ACDC, and part of their lyrics say it's a long way to the top if you want to rock. Mm-hmm. And if you look at that, what they're saying is there's no shortcuts to anything you do. Oh no! So it's, so it doesn't even apply to just becoming a rock star. It's to if you're looking at one to do something like for instance like live streaming. You can, yeah, you can try to take a shortcut. You can do those, you know, follow for follows. But how many of those follow for follows would become true number one viewerships? I can tell you that answer is nearly zero. Yeah. So with those people that, and not the narc in them, is just, you know, you'll see them that they break more than 100 and they have 2,000 or almost a million followers. That's great. But, what is your engagement rating? Right. And a lot of things I push when I do stuff on Twitter um, is I always make a little comment in there. It's I try not it, – it's funny. It's like I say I kind of sneak it in, but I don't really. It's just, you know, come come see me. Get to know me, you know, in, in general as a person, you know. I'm not that scared of a person. Right. <laughs> you know. It's uh, it's the engagement. Um. And I think I think I think I can speak like you and I used to be part of the same group. Uh yes. And they would brag about having so many members. Mhm. But the members weren't present. Like yeah. Like so with Twitch, using that for Twitch of you can have a thousand followers. Yes. But how many are actually actively watching and sharing? Right. And that's really the issue that you see a lot of people have. Like, for instance, I've seen two very great people uh, that I watch, you know, I'll jump into their stream when I have some chances. And I found out eventually they were going to go for their partnership. And they were so hyped about it. And you know what? I support. That's great. And they went for it. And Twitch denied them. And everyone knows Twitch denies 
a lot of people their first time for partnership anyways. Oh, yeah. um, but I think that falls into two reasons why I think they do this is they want to see if people are genuine getting their views in a genuine way versus um, people using other methods like bots. Yeah. View botting and everything. Right. And I know for a while, I don't know if it's still a big issue, but um, I heard a rumor a while ago, but I don't know if it's true really that having view bots can actually hurt your chances for going for partnership. Oh yeah, it can. I I can't imagine why it wouldn't because like those bots get banned all the time. Right. So if you're going at, 30, 40 a day, 34 viewers a stream, and then all of a sudden that view bot gets banned and you're down to two, it's kind yeah. of obvious what happened. Right. And, you know, I've seen people that if you're going to use a view bot, they do it in the most weirdest way ever. Like, though, the increments are unreal. Basically, if you want to try to trick at least try to be like more like not revealing about it, you know, but you can tell. I think a lot of it is because they try to do too much too uh, too fast. Yes. It's like two to 40. I'm sorry. Maybe, maybe, but no, that didn't happen. Yeah. It's it, it, and it, you, you went from two to a solid 40 all the time. I have concerns. Yeah, either either there's someone out there who really really likes you and they want to support you, or we got ourselves an AI who just yeah is just chilling. Exactly. Um. Yeah, it's it's kind of obvious sometimes. Uh, yeah. But let's go on to some other things. But first, we are actually sponsoring this podcast. This episode of the Gaming Control Podcast is sponsored by 8-Bit Metal. Are you a heavy metal fan? What about retro gaming and game collecting? Look no further than 8-Bit Metal. They're a mixer streamer focusing on positive, fun content. So head on over to mixer.com slash 8 underscore bit underscore metal. That's mixer.com slash 8-Bit Metal. Thank you for sponsoring the podcast. Back to you. So we talked about some gaming. We talked about some streaming. Now, mm -hmm. I want to talk about something um, that you brought to my attention, um, truthfully, uh, that can affect both, I feel. At least the streaming part. I don't know yes. about the gaming part. I have a feeling it's going to have a huge impact on the gaming world because it's having an impact on the streaming. Article 13. Yes, Article 13 is... Um... I did some. I did a lot of brief look into this after I came across um, a video. Um, you familiar with uh, Mac Pat and his game theory stuff? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I watched an episode of that, and he kind of briefly talked on that and how basically it was it was basically going to change the way um, social media is going to be over like in the UK, and if this worked out it could potentially affect us over here in the States as well and any other country. Yeah. Um, so I seen it and I actually watched a, uh, I believe it was Funhouse. He okay. did, actually did an informative episode. 
basically as it is now. If I upload copyrighted material, say I uploaded the newest episode of The Runaways, right? Okay. The person who's held liable is me. Under right. Article 13, the person who is liable is YouTube. Yes. So, YouTube will be liable and will be fined for it, right? Yep. There, I think they said there's almost 400,000 hours of video uploaded every hour worldwide. Yeah, something like that. There is not any sort of way that they can even automatically view all of that stuff and copyright it correctly. No, and that's why they have bots that do their stuff. But and I they say fail this. upwards. Yes, because the bots only look for key phrases or what their code has been manipulated uh, to do. Actually, not all the time. Um, oh, it varies. They, I can't remember the citation. Of There was a person who uploaded like eight hours of static noise. Mm-hmm. Four different people claimed it. So a third party then. Yeah. But it was flat. Then it was then flagged as being copywritten. Interesting. So, my question is: Will that trigger the Article Thirteen fine? It and if could. and if so, why in God's name would YouTube even risk it? That's true. And a lot of things I've seen from looking at a lot of different stuff into this is um, a comment that always comes up is. Well, rip YouTube, you know, because of Article 13, which Article 13 is part of a bigger part of a bigger issue within it is, you know, you have Article 11 and 12. Basically, it's pretty much the ideal way for the government to look into how they can keep everything on Internet in one nice little neat place and kind of dictate on certain things. Right. Um, and the thing is, it's like, if you read Article 13, mm -hmm. it sounds good. Yes, but it's between the fine print is where you start looking into it and picking every little part of it out and saying, this is great. It looks good. It sounds great on the surface. But when you look below all of that and kind of get into there where it's all like, you know, you're trying to trying to look at the fat, you know, to trim it up a little bit. It starts sounding more, more like, oh, how I put this, like, like an evil scientist plan. Yeah, it's not. It's not evil. It's just. They unleash something was like, oh. That might not go so well. Right. Um, and, and no one actually wants to be the bad guy. And the thing is... is it, well, yeah. Article 13, as it's written, is great for copyright. Like, because people do try to download and upload copyrighted stuff. Right. And that comes... Um, and you'll see, like, when you looked into it, you'll see a lot of the backing comes from the music industry and the, and the entertainment industry of uh, movies and stuff. 
that's where it comes from a lot. Which you can't blame them for wanting to copyright their own material. Like, really, right. you can't. No. It, it's, just, it, it's just a fact that uh, there, should, there needs to be a fine line between what is acceptable on certain terms versus, well, because someone abused it, now nobody can use it, you know? Yeah, that's the that's the basis of if so one person can't play nice, no one can even play with it. It's like, well, oh, exactly. Okay. Um, exactly. It, it's so like I can understand why some people are like, yes, Article Thirteen, but it will affect that. It'll affect everybody. Because um, the thing is, is there's a lot of UK creators. Yes. Um. And it's going to affect how they create stuff. Like, I'm thinking, like, Colin Furs, mm-hmm. um, who does a lot of backyard creation stuff. Will YouTube even be a thing in the UK because of Article 13? Will YouTube go, we aren't risking it. The only things that will allow is, like, things uploaded by Marvel, things uploaded by CBS, NBC, ABC... So basically, it's going to become another television channel as a whole. Yes, yes. And a lot of people claim, and I kind of agree with him on this, it's more, it looks to be more the way of backing bigger corporations. Yeah. And that's it. it. Which, in and of itself, is not the worst. No. But it's certainly not the best. Cause... It, just, it just makes it unfair for somebody who's put tons and tons and hours into something and is trying to grow their channel and then a big corporation just comes in there and says, ah, I got money, I can do this. Well, and just kind of like does what it does. The thing with YouTube is, is no one is making money as a whole. Now, uh, smaller creators specifically aren't making any money anyway uh, because the requirements to be monetized are so high, like no one can hit that. Oh, yeah. Uh, small creators, that wise. So, and and YouTube hasn't always been monetized. So, I think that it's going to come back to figuring out how to basically create... I think, honestly, with if Article 13 fall uh, goes into place, I think you'll see the rise of more people creating websites in a weird way. Yes. Yes. Um, um, I've, I've always joked about this as saying... When are we going to see the next like true successor to YouTube? Something that's like YouTube, but it has different uh, regulations and standards for its creators and stuff. Well, I I think before I think pre YouTube days. So think about um, old school like Red versus Blue. It was immediately distributed on their website. Yes, the old Rooster Teeth website, which I believe is still around to this day. Oh, yeah, it is. So, I think that things like that will be, um, I think those will grow. I think those will absolutely, uh, uh, those, those will rise to more power, um, to more, because... People want their own space. Well, yeah, and YouTube is pretty crowded for a lot of things. It, it really is. Um, 
it's just weird. Like the uh the landscape is changing. Yes, it's it's basically like we had a good foundation, a great platform, but now it's time to pull a 180 and let's just throw some dynamite over here and do it there and we'll rebuild this section here and there. Right. Um again, I'm quoting Funhouse, but they was basically like YouTube is like a significant other that won't tell you what exactly they want, but they expect you to know what to do. Because it was like 10-minute videos, then it was like longer videos, and now it's actually going back down to less than 10-minute long videos for like key timing. Yes, and that's due to them changing their algorithms up, and maybe that also has to do with, um, for instance... Um, I love watching like top tens, top fives of stuff. You I know, hate them. I hate them, but I'll, I'll watch them on occasion. But I mean, they're they're good. There's something great to listen to when you're working on something. You know, as a background thing. Oh yeah, no, uh, yeah, I'll I'll agree. It, and compilation channels. If you 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 get a compilation channel, you you guaranteed have thousands of views. Yeah, and then of course you get this great channels that are like kind of like a, a history look on stuff like for instance the gaming historian so I, I, he... I love internet historian oh yeah it's awesome and see that article 13 comes out that could affect a lot of their stuff because they're talking about anywhere from Nintendo products to sony to microsoft you know atari you know and those are all brands that could be flagged exactly uh i i The thing is, is like, so I think, honestly, boiling it down, because we still got one more topic to talk about. Oh yeah, it's a little shorter, because um, we're coming, we're coming to about twenty minutes tell. Okay. Um, if there was a way to pick and choose from Article Thirteen, that'd be great. But there's not. No, there's no alternative at this moment. So I, I can't. I can say I don't agree with Article Thirteen at all if you have to have all of it or none of it at all um because of how it's going to affect the internet landscape of i have content creators in the uk they're my friend and i want to know hey how is that going to affect them how is it going to affect their streaming like some some streamers already have problems like the just dance community the guitar uh, guitar hero community they're crumbling because oh, yeah. copyrighted music. And it's like, well, those were big communities. Like, what happens to them then? They're gone. There, there's. I read somewhere that there's going to be like a link tax. So if like an article has links to something, it, they'll be charged like a tax for almost. Yes, which I think is like, it's, it's pretty asinine. dirty. It's very dirty to do that. But at the same time, it's like, come on. But at the same time, I feel like why they're do they're proposing and doing this is because you'll get um, articles that come out that people steal stuff and links in their news just to do that, and that would help prevent them saying, "Oh no, you gotta have a, you gotta pay some money if you want to include that link to to that." My question is, where is that money going? Exactly, and that's what I think is so fishy about it. It's like, is it going to what? It's a tax, so are you going to 
the, the roads better be perfect after this. The schools better be well-funded after this. There better be no problems. But oh, yeah. where's the money going? Because if you're going to tax based upon links, news sites are screwed. Oh, yes. News video channels on YouTube, if YouTube exists in the UK, screwed. Yeah. Oh, and one thing about the UK, um, if that article three goes through, it would actually initially block their content, basically. Yeah. You're basically walling off the internet to one section of the world, which is something that um, North Korea does. Yes. Which, not to compare apples to oranges, but uh, if it blocks off the internet and goes, nope, you can't have access to YouTube, let's be honest, nine times out of ten, if there's a big event going on, I'll go to YouTube and see what's going on. I will not go to CNN. I will not go to Fox. I will not go... I might go to BBC, maybe. But I won't go to those news articles. I'll go to YouTube, because they'll have coverage from everyone. I don't have to go to CNN and Fox and MSNBC. It's all right there. So if you block that off, you're blocking off news media to people. You are effectively cutting them off from a large chunk of the world. Right. And at this point, I find that highly unacceptable to do that. Like, there's no reason why they, they need to do this. No. It, I mean, and, and it's in a weird way, it's all under the guise of copyright, which, yes, I believe there should be copyright. But let's figure out how to do it without making everybody suffer. Right. Like, and, you know, you can't, you can't please everybody, but what you need to do is you need to make it on a common ground for what is acceptable. I'll say this. And maybe this can maybe this is a good wrapping up for this uh topic. Yeah. You can't please everyone, but you most certainly can piss everyone off. Indeed. <laughs> um speaking of making people mad, the next article that is I think it's a it's a shorter topic, but uh yes. The Super Smash Brothers school issue um by the time this episode comes out it'll actually be uh, a while out from when smash was released uh yes yes which by the way i'm still uh by this time i probably should have all my characters unlocked or still working on them i already got them in the first weekend uh it's because you are such a dark heart aren't you <laughs> no there's an easy way to do it uh, yes i actually looked into it you just uh it's it goes by how much you play with and racking up a certain amount distance. Uh, of distance so i've been doing the old classic mode and that seems to work oh no i well. uh so i what i do smash two players one is a cpu that stands still push them to the edge then just run to the edge back run to the edge for 20 minutes by the time you're just constantly getting characters ah basically so, you're pretty much setting yourself up to so have you run, on... you run for 20 minutes you exit it'll give you a new challenger you defeat that challenger. You com- you go to the menu, you home menu, close down the software entirely, and then you reboot it, and you'll have another challenger. So now basically, you- it's an X point that gets around the system. Yes. <laughs> I love it. See, I love it. This is great because this is why the internet exists, because it's like something you would hear on the playground. Oh, no, I, 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 I 100% agree. Um... But so on opening weekend of Smash, a kid yes, was super it... excited for it and drew the Super Smash Brothers logo 
on the uh, whiteboard. Yes. And a teacher thought it looked like crosshairs. Yeah. And they canceled school that day, which I guess the kid wins at that point. I mean, I, I guess so. I mean, maybe not the reason you want to, but hey, you get to be home from school to play Smash. So, yeah. Um, for what I understand is, uh, I, I sent you a picture because it was kind of like going around on forums and it was going around on Twitter of all social media places. Um, you know, because it kind of blew up a little bit. But in the uh, the note that was sent home to the parents, um, explaining and on the note they kind of drew the the logo on there. What try to repro- try to reproduce what the kid had drawn, which honestly their logo looks like crap. <laughs> uh, let me actually read the letter real fast. Oh, okay. I have pulled up. Uh, December fifth, dear blah, blah, students and parents, this letter is to communicate to you the details of a rumored threat of a shooter on Friday, December seventh. First, I would communicate the threat is nothing more than a rumor. Last Friday, there was a writing left on the classroom whiteboard that said December 7th, time to the Smash logo. There were some students who did not know what the symbol stood for and interpreted it as a threat of a school shooter on that day. As we'd expect and encouraged, this was reported to the office as a concern. The situation was investigated in conjunction with the Sheriff's Department. The symbol was found to be a symbol for a video game that is set to be released on Friday, December 7th. The statement on the board was merely a statement of anticipation for the release of this new video game. From this, rumors began to spread and to morph into bigger and bigger issues. Several offshoots of the rumor were reported to local police departments as well as to our offices. Each of those reports were thoroughly investigated and traced back to the original statement about the video game release date. With all the information presented to us, it is determined that there is never actually any threat, just misinterpretations of a message about the video game. We appreciate the reports and suspicion that would, and would ask that any time any of our students or parents see anything out of the ordinary, please report to the proper authorities, as was done in this situation. Thank you. First and foremost, I want to ask, how many people are going to get their niggers in a twist and go? Let me rephrase that. Their panties in a twist. I suddenly was like, hmm, that word might not sound right. Um, yeah. Uh, how many parents are going to go, video games causing violence? Well, I mean, it's nothing new out there. I mean, for almost, I have to say, for almost a decade now, the media has really targeted video games a lot. Yeah. You know, I mean, if it's not one thing for violence, it's for, oh, well, it was linked to a video game incident that caused this guy to go AWOL. You know, it's like, what? Like, so, do you not understand that that person might have had a social issue, and he, yes, he might have played games, Correlation but is might... not causation. Yes, that I mean, may have not been an issue. All, everybody who's ever, in this is extreme, in, in gallows humor, everybody who's ever done a, uh, who's a, everybody who's been a serial killer is, Drink water and breathe oxygen. Oxygen and air, bad. No, it's not. Just because they partake in something does not mean that they are bad. Yes. Um. So people who play Grand Theft Auto are not going to immediately go out and go find uh, ladies of the night and assault them. No. No. 
The people no. who are going to go out and go find ladies of the night and assault them are the people who are going to go out into the night and assault them. I'm sorry. Like, just because... And, and they take one aspect of a game and they run with it. Yes. Yes, you can kill cops in Grand Theft Auto. Does that mean you're awarded for it? Certainly not no. encouraged. You can. Um, it, it almost reminds me of the Red Dead Redemption 2 thing, where you could actually... Because in Red Dead Redemption... Have you played it yet? Uh, I have watched people stream it. I just haven't got around to playing it yet. So you can basically attack um, anybody in the game. Okay. And one, air quotes, news outlet, video game news outlet... Go talk to Polygon. Um, totally was like, you can uh, you can attack and kill uh, women's suffrage members. Okay, I forget okay. the I forget the actual term for them. Oh, because I found out recently there was there was a, some mix up about it, and they're like, you can do this, and that makes people bad. And it's like, yeah, yeah, you can but, but that also makes you a villain in the game as it would in real life so it's certainly not encouraged you can do that sure but why would you I don't think I've ever seen any videos of anybody actually going haha they're like I wonder if I can and it was like oh my god I can Ooh, that's um, not okay. You know, it, I don't know. Well, it's that type of stuff that can lead down to the road of censorship. You know, a different version being altered depending on the region, which was something that was really big back in the day between like us and Japan and Germany. down in uh and Germany too. You know, just look at the cover art for Left 4 Dead. Yeah, or uh, I think it's Left 4 Dead too, actually. Uh, because the two as a uh, basically flipping somebody off, and I think it's England. Might have been. Um... But like, it happens all the time. Like all the red crosses in Earthbound are gone, in yeah. the American version, I believe, or is it the Japanese version? One of them, the versions, it's gone because of censorship. Um, it, it's it's that fascinating thing, and people are well. I I kind of I find the back to that letter. Kind of find it interesting that some of the kids were worried about it, dude. I can guarantee you, no kids were worried about it. No, um, I feel like it was one of those. Okay, the teacher who discovered it looked at it and thought, "Oh, that might have been like a gain symbol because gain symbols are meant to be like a tag." And I don't know if this was like in a middle school or a high school because they never really stated. Just the fact that it was in a school. So it could have been either middle school or high school. I, I would like to say, as much as you and I rag on them, the teacher mm -hmm. did do the right thing. They didn't yes. understand what it was, so they reported it. At the end of the day, all the kids are safe. Yes, if they and I agree reported with that. and it was bad and the kids were hurt, then we'd all be talking in a different discussion. But right. at the end of the day, they, they they said, if anything is seen out of the ordinary, please report it. The teacher did not understand it, which is 
while we can kind of laugh because of how big Smash is, the teacher, let's be honest, the teacher's probably not in the, the gen- same generation nearly at all. They're probably my, my parents' or grandparents' age. Teaching. Possibility. And Smash is not something that they would recognize. Like, if I showed my grandfather a picture of the Super Smash Brothers logo, he wouldn't go, oh, That's Smash! I'm gonna beat you with King K. Rule, boy! No, he wouldn't. Because um, he's a Diddy main. And, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, that would be that would be funny, though. Get out of here with that weak sauce, boy. Um, <laughs> but they didn't know what it was. And in a school, you have to be careful. So... This right. is the one instance where I go, you know what? They aren't vilifying video games. There was nothing vilifying in that oh, about no. it. No, it was a uh, it was a incident of not understanding and the lack to identify something that may be part of pop culture mm-hmm. issue. Exactly. Um. So I mean, as much as we joke about it, and we're we're you know laughing about it. The teacher did the right thing at the end of the day, which I will applaud that teacher every day of the week. I'll say, you did the right thing. You didn't understand it. And instead of going to your students and going, hey, what's this? Because these students lie. Everybody lies. Oh, yeah. It happens all the time. But I think it's funny that they didn't recognize it. I think that's what I'm most funny. What's funniest about this is the teacher didn't recognize it. Yeah. And, you know, you know, there have been jokes on internet saying, and, and and they've done a comparison between his picture and this picture and being like, how does this symbol become a crosshair symbol? I, I, I don't I don't see how it could become this. I actually can looking at it. Um, if the kid didn't draw it perfectly, as no kid has ever drawn on a whiteboard accurately and the history of drawing on whiteboards, the kid probably drew it off center. And so it, it could. Theoretically, I mean, the, the, it could. That's um, true. I mean, he's probably no Picasso, <laughs> right? I was like, no one. You only. This is not the. This is not the imager of whiteboard art. This is a, probably an excited nine-year-old who had to write it real quickly before the teacher scampered into the room. So, oh yeah, it, it was probably a hastily drawn. And heck, I remember drawing stuff on whiteboards all the time when I was in college. Even then. I was like, oh, okay, like, family trees of fictional things. It's like, cool. But this kid was excited for Smash, and he got to go play Smash that day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> At the and end of the day, what? the kid wins. And and you know what? He got himself a day off, you know? It's like... Uh, he know, got himself that's... a Friday off. Yeah, at the end of the week. It's like, oh, my gosh. I mean, there's nothing more exciting, like, working a job, and then, oh, we have to send people home. Because there's an issue with something. I volunteer's yeah. tribute. Mm-hmm. I actually had that day off. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. Um. So yeah, anything else? I think that about wraps that up. That tar- topic. Just, uh, just about. You know, just the fact that, like I said, it's one of those things where it's like failing to understand what an icon is or doing research of why this was here and, and what the meaning of it is. Yeah. I actually like to know the, uh, like the back, not the backlash, but the repercussions. Like did the kid, did the, did the teacher get to like talk to the kids about super smash brothers? Like did it enable the kids to get closer to their teacher at the end of the day? If uh, that's what happened, I'm, I'm happy about that. Cause I'm sure the teacher was like, 
let's talk about Super Smash Brothers, and the kids were excited about it. Yeah, and that's pretty cool. It, it, again, it's just one of those things where it's like, it worked out in the greater good, and there was, you know, forbid there was another incident at a school involving with firearms. Yeah, but God, that I don't think I don't think we could handle anymore at this point. Oh, oh, I mean, there was that incident too with EA and its Madden tournament. That was oh, awful. Yeah. yeah. Um. Let's wrap it up there. <laughs> All right, that sounds um, good. So you, uh, as we heard earlier in the uh, ad roll, but you're actually sponsoring this podcast, and you're on Mixer, aren't you? Uh, yes, I have moved over to Mixer. Nice. Uh, so other than Mixer, do you have any other um, promo things that you'd like me to send out? Uh, would you like to tell people about? Um, I guess in the future, um, I would be looking at... I'd be looking at adding more uh, masks to my live stream. Hint the word, I go by 8-bit, which is a, a funny joke I've joked around with is the eight masks of metal. I've only have, I only have two revealed now, but I will be revealing one more after the New Year's and all this stuff. Nice. Sounds like fun. Sounds like we'll have to uh, tune in. Uh, yeah. Um, if that's it, I think we that's a good that's a good end uh, wrapping up point. All right. So thank you everybody for joining me. Thank you Eight Bit for joining me as well and for sponsoring the podcast. Well, we got you live. And uh, you should go check out his Mixer channel over at uh, mixer.com slash 8bitmetal. That's uh, 8 underscore bit underscore metal. And uh, we will see you all next week. So until then, have a good one. Thanks, guys. And thank you to all of our listeners out there because we really couldn't do it without you. We hope you enjoyed this week's Gaming and Chill podcast. If you'd like to know more about the podcast, follow us on social media, or learn how to support the podcast directly, check us out at www.gamingandchillpodcast.com. Also, be sure to stay up to date with Gaming and Chill by following us on Twitter at at gaming underscore in underscore chill. Yes, that is gaming underscore in as in Nancy underscore chill. You can also find links to the articles, games, and videos mentioned in this podcast in the description below. Thanks again for watching, and until next time. Bye.